to episode six of The Family Business. My name is Shannon. I'm Donna. I'm Z. And tonight we are going to be discussing skins, which is an episode dealing with shapeshifters and a whole lot of mythological issues that Z will be bringing up eventually. I think it's just skin. Yeah, yeah. it's not skins. Oh, I said skins. Well, I'm apparently thinking that it's a British TV show instead of, <laughs> you know, an episode of Supernatural. So yes, skin. I guess we'll go ahead and have Donna kick things off. You want to talk about the female aspect of this episode? Because there's a lot of it. Well, actually, I'm going to have a rant in the next episode. So I'm just going to keep it kind of down low for this one. Because there really isn't a female character in this show, in this episode. There is a female... And she's arguably a character, but I'm going to educate you just a tiny bit on tropes and tests. And we have one called the sexy lamp test, which boils down to if the character could be replaced by a sexy lamp and the story wouldn't suffer, you have failed the sexy lamp test. Uh, I Does don't even have to even be sexy, though? Well, it's a reference to a Christmas story. It's a reference to the leg oh, yes. lamp from A Christmas Story. So that's okay. why they call it a sexy lamp. Before I knew there was such a thing as a sexy lamp test, I called it the embroidered throw pillow test. Yeah. But then I discovered there already was a test, so we'll go with the sexy lamp test. At any rate, in my opinion, this episode fails the sexy lamp test. What do you think about that, Z? About the the sexy leg? The sexy leg. Yeah. Um, Or sexy lamp or whatever you want to call it. Oh, man. This episode was really weird because of rapey reasons. It just, it got really dark really fast for apparently no reason. Right. And it was really, I didn't remember it being that vivid, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember there being some murdering and some some tying up to chairs, but when the skinwalker as Dean throws her to the ground and he, like, yells at her to give him her hands. Right. That, like, I had to turn the episode off for a second. I was like, I need a breather. And it's only, like, 20 seconds of the episode, but it was... It was heavy. I was not a fan. Agreed. I, one of the notes that I wrote, and I don't remember when in the episode that I wrote this, but I wrote down violent for the sake of violence. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like that that was all it was. And I tried, and I understand that they're trying to convey how monstrous the, the shapeshifter is and how not human he is. But the fact that he's engaging in an all too horrific human mm-hmm. activity, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word other than rape, it just, it, it really was unsettling. Here's, here's my thing. This is my one big takeaway from this episode. And I rave about Jensen Ackles and his acting all the time. But there was a point he really made you feel for that thing. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. but... His comment was something along the lines of, he just wants someone to love him. Yes. Maybe try not tying them to chairs and torturing them to death. Yeah. That's just a thought. Okay. You and your unrealistic expectations. (laughs) No, right? (laughs) But yes, Jensen Uh, Ackles did actually make you kind of feel for this horrible monster. Yeah. Uh, And I can agree with that. I, I definitely think whenever he was sitting there talking to Becky in the guise of the shapeshifter or shapeshifter in the guise of Dean, should I say, Mm -hmm. it started out as almost like a poignant moment. Like, you know, this is who I am and and I'm revealing my soul to you. And then it just went into rape. I mean, it was... He leans over and he like whispers something and then she's like, get out of my house! And he cannot handle rejection. And I was just like... Like, there's been a couple of episodes where there's a dude that's 
kind of sleazy or isn't a fan of rejection and then it's like and the woman in white she gets really upset at sam when she won't when he won't like commit adultery with her right and Mm -hmm. so they they kind of test like touch on that a lot throughout the first season it seems like but that one was just like which is scary because it watching that episode to get like really real for a second it wasn't hard to imagine that things like that happen like if you take out the skinwalker aspect of it that a dude's just sitting there with the chick and they're just talking and then he suggests something sexual and she gets upset because She's not interested. She didn't give any hint that she was interested. And then he yeah. flips out and hurts her. So it was really, it was a really heavy episode. Right. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, of Becky from her air quotes relationship with Dean, whenever Sam and Dean first show up at her house, Dean's trying to play the, hey, I'm sexy, cool kind mm-hmm. of thing going on. And she's not having it. She's not buying it. I mean, she just a kind of, she kind of occasionally looks at Dean, but for the most part, her interaction is, is with Sam and they have an obvious friendship. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there, there was never any indication that Becky was interested in anybody. And like you said too, like whenever they were sitting on the couch, there was no indication of, oh, hey, baby, I'm into you. I want you. It was like, you know, hey, here's a beer. We're talking. You're apologizing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's getting kind of creepy and... Yeah, now, now you've passed across the line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so anything else about the female sexy lamp aspect of the episode that either of you guys want to discuss? No, she was just really, you know, she was there to be pretty. That yeah. was that was the purpose of, what was her name, Becky? Mm-hmm. Yes. I can't even remember her name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember because I wrote it down, and I remembered to write it down because otherwise I wouldn't Excellent. have remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so no, I don't have much to say because... There wasn't much to talk about. Absolutely. The the last thing, and I, I just looked at another note that I had. The first victim, and we've kind of touched on this as a theme going throughout, is the first victim was a blonde-headed woman. Mm. And it seems like She's in making. every episode, there is that blonde-headed woman who has to be kind of like our throwback to Mary and to... Jess. Jess, thank you. I think that mm-hmm. that was the one for this episode was our Be- first victim. Yeah, Becky was blonde too. So I guess they just... There's just a plethora of blonde girls hanging out around the studio. <laughs> or, you know, a lot of bleach, whichever. I was about to say in L.A., but they're not filming in L.A., are they? They're no. filming in Toronto? Vancouver. Vancouver, that's right. Yeah. The other thing that I found really interesting with Becky is whenever Sam and Dean are at the house and they have watched the video and Sam realizes that there's something odd about what we know is the shapeshifter. So in order to get Becky out of the room so he can talk to Dean, he was like, hey, we'll go ahead and take those beers now. And in order to get her out of the room even longer, it's like, oh, and if you could make us some sandwiches or whatever. And then she's, she says the line that I thought was really great. What do you think this is? Hooters. Obviously, she still goes ahead and makes the sandwiches and everything. I thought it was a, I thought it was a funny thing for her to mm-hmm. be able to say. And so it was part Part, partly her standing up for herself, but at the same time, she did go ahead and go make the So sandwiches. she was a sexy lamp with a little bit of a backbone. Exactly. Okay. But who made sandwiches? Bedazzled so. shade. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. All right. So now that we can move on from that aspect of it, Z, I know that in our private chats outside of the podcast, this has very much so become a topic of interest, and that would be on shapeshifters, skinwalkers, the mythology behind that. So uh, we know that you have done your due diligence and research. 
So why don't you discuss that aspect for us? So skinwalkers are actually a word that um, is translated from a Navajo Diné word. Skin, the word skinwalker is typically... And I, okay, so I Googled it and went through 15 pages of Google to see if I could find anything that wasn't Navajo Diné related. And Skinwalker is, is almost exclusively Navajo. Mm -hmm. Now, shapeshifters have mythology and lore and go back to all these different kinds of, of stories and legends and stuff. They don't really seem to have one specific basis. So when I was watching this episode, and I remember it from the first time I watched it, but not vividly enough to remember how deeply it goes into the native lore or religion or whatever. And uh, so I was watching it again and there's one line in near the beginning when they're talking about the way that the skinwalkers eyes light up on a camera. And Dean says something about how some cultures believe that having your photograph taken can steal your soul. And that is almost exclusively associated with Native American tribes. I've heard it once or twice associated with the aboriginals of Australia as well. Also Africa. There are I, some tribes in Africa who have that I, I didn't belief. Know that. Yeah, so I was a little actually pretty upset by the time we got done with the episode because those are really the only relation to the Navajo, I guess, legend of skinwalkers and it kind of peeved me because they could have just called them shapeshifters. And in the beginning they go through a couple of words, they're like you know, he says every culture has its own form of shapeshifters, which is true. Mm -hmm. And they even, they say, you know, doppelgangers, shapeshifters, werewolf, a dark, a double. dark double, which mm -hmm. they, they call it a couple of times. But the thing that irritated me with the skinwalkers is their lore of skinwalkers are so much cooler than what happened in this episode. The, the lore of, of skinwalkers is that the Navajo medicine people had to be taught the good and evil side of magic so that if anything evil were to come to the village of the people, the medicine people would know how to protect them. And then sometimes, very rarely, a medicine person would give in to the evil side of the magic that they'd learned and would then become a skinwalker. And there's so much more to this aspect of the native religion that we don't know because the Navajo people don't want to talk about it because for all they know, you could be a skinwalker. Like mm -hmm. that's how important it is to them. And I think that's way cooler than he was born really ugly and mutated so yeah. people would not think he's ugly. That They could have done so much more with that. And I think probably in the beginning that was their idea because right. from what I could tell online, part of the lore is that if you make eye contact with them, then they can absorb your memories or they can absorb themselves into your body and take possession of your body and then use your memories and stuff to convince other people to commit murder. Which we got the bastardized mm -hmm. stepchild version of yeah. the, the of the lore and because we, we, they did touch on the aspects of the the psychic connection or as as Dean referred yeah. to it the the Vulcan mind meld yeah. and he was able to access Dean's memories because he was having the argument with Sam about how Dean has issues with Sam because Sam got to follow through on his dreams mm -hmm. and don't you think I have dreams too and don't you think that I want friends and I want a life and I want all of these things but I'm the one that everybody leaves and yeah I mean it could have been so much better yeah. if they had actually followed through with what it seems like they started out with. Yeah and I think probably what happened is there's the Wendigo episode mm -hmm. and then two episodes from now episode eight 
is bugs, which is all Native American. They mentioned that Wendigo is a native lore, but it's not necessarily like inherently native. Right. And then bugs is. And so I think probably what happens is they're like, oh, we can't have three episodes of Native American lore in the first season. And so they bastardized this one. And I feel like, oh, that was such a bad idea because it's such a cool story. I don't think anybody would have cared. Uh, we talked about this a fair bit in our chat and as I'm sitting over here as a profoundly white human being, you know, multicultural, Irish, English, and Scottish <laughs> in my background, I just, I didn't get the same feeling from it, but I also don't have the same cultural perspective. I guess my question is, did the episode ever call it a skinwalker? Uh-huh. Did it? Mm-hmm. That's like primarily what they called it. They called he, they called it a skinwalker or a dark double whenever they would joke about how he was as a different person. Like whenever they would refer to it as a monster, they would say it was a skinwalker. And then when it was in like Dean's form, it was like, Dean, it's your dark double. But Well, and yeah. I think too, though, that they started using the term shapeshifter more and more as the episode progressed. And I don't know if you could consider this a redeeming thing or not, but we do know that in future episodes, and this really isn't much of a spoiler, so don't worry about that, but in future episodes, they're always referred to as shapeshifters or shifters. Mm -hmm. They, as far as I know, they don't retouch on the skinwalker, mm -hmm. dark think, double aspect of it. I think the, the problematic part for me was that they did refer to it as a skinwalker and they didn't hold true to the religion. Because really what the, the legend, air quotes legend, of skinwalkers are is it's part of the religion. Right. And so to just cast that word out there because you think it sounds cooler than a shapeshifter and then to mention just low-key the aspect of how people think that photos can take your soul, that to me was really insulting. You, you really could have just called them shapeshifters and mm -hmm. the episode would not have been any worse. Trust me, it would not have been any worse. Right. And <laughs> I don't know, it just, there's, there's really, I just, I'm so upset because the Navajo <laughs> version is so much cooler. Right. And... Yes. Uh. Uh, I understand. <laughs> One last thing I want to touch on with that before we go to break, and this is something that we had discussed in the chat, is the fact that, uh, as we discussed in Bloody Mary, Supernatural tends to take legends and stories and myths, and they kind of make it into their own thing. Mm -hmm. And so, while I agree that it probably would have been a whole lot more interesting if they had gone with the, with the native aspect instead of the bastardized version that we got... I do think that it was partly their way of trying to make this Supernaturals thing mm -hmm. and probably without stepping on a whole bunch of toes. Now, obviously, I don't know that for sure, but that's the opinion that I have of it. So take it how you will. So as I mentioned at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. I'm going to start by asking y'all to please go on to iTunes or Google Play and give us a rate, a review. Go ahead and subscribe. That really helps us out when you do that. It helps us move up in the rankings, help people find us. Speaking of which, tell a friend. Tweet about us. Help us get the name out there. We do have a social media presence that I will let Z tell us about. All right, so we have our Instagram, which is the family business underscore SPN fancast. And then you can also find us on Twitter at TFB underscore SPN fancast. And then the family business, along with its sister podcast, 
you can find on Tumblr at snarkcast.tumblr.com. We have three sister podcasts. We have Collective Snark, which is a pop culture cast where we talk about all kinds of stuff. Some of it's serious, some of it's fun. We have Once More with Feeling, which is a 20th anniversary Buffy fan cast, a lot like what we're doing here, only we're talking about Buffy. And finally, we have Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror, where we discuss horror movies and some current ones, some old ones. Finally, you can catch us on the Gumby Cat Network. You can catch our sister podcasts along with this one and all kinds of unique podcasts available on there. So part of what goes along with skin is the correlation between our shapeshifter and, of course, werewolves, because... We have the fact that you can kill a shapeshifter by shooting it through the heart with a silver bullet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we talked about this actually on the Bloody Mary podcast or if this was the banter we had after the podcast. But where supernatural creatures are concerned, werewolves are my favorite. It seems like every movie or TV show you have that where you have werewolves, the transformation is the big, big thing. And each one tries to outdo the other and how either just amazing the transformation is or how gory and horrifically painful the transformation is. And I will say that probably for me the one redeeming, maybe only redeeming, aspect of this episode was the transformation whenever he's like ripping his flesh off and his fingernails are falling off and there's blood trailing everywhere and teeth are falling out. And his ribs are rippling and yes. changing shape. And he yeah, rips cool. off an ear and throws it down. I was watching it, and I, I had forgotten about that part of the episode, but I was watching it, and I was just thinking, oh my god, this is just like the most amazing and horrific thing I have seen in quite some time. So I will say, for the special effects people who were on this episode, amazing kudos, because that was, that was an amazing transformation scene. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. That was good. And the song during it was kick ass. I'm trying to look up what that song was. Yes. Uh, what was it? The the sideshow freak or something like that? It, it was it was amazing. It, it it perfectly encapsulated like the tone of the creature itself plus what it was going through in that moment. It was it was truly a package deal. Early in the episode, there was some interaction between Dean. Oh. And you found it? Yes. Go ahead. The song during that transformation is called Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter. Early in the episode, there was a conversation between Dean and Sam where they were talking about lying. And Mm -hmm. Dean said, not telling the whole truth is lying. And I've just noted down here, Dean's not over it yet. Sam is keeping secrets. And Dean's not over it. And I think kind of what goes... And I, I think it was two separate instances because I don't remember that discussion. But I do know that, that one of the things that they had said was they started a conversation and Dean had said things would be easier and Sam cut in and said, if I was like you. Dean agreed. I think that that is part of our ongoing arc is mm-hmm. how they do have their secrets from each other because Dean obviously has secrets and Dean has things that he doesn't tell Sam. And it seems like in some episodes we get more of those secrets than in yeah. others. But I, I think that that's part of their family dynamic is the fact that 
they really don't communicate. They really don't talk. Dean has his expectations for what family is. Sam has his expectations. And obviously, non-present dad has his expectations, too. Dean is... I'm not going to say he's gone all the way to toxic masculinity, but there is, just in the way he really does not express himself. Right. There's some of it there. Sam's a little more open in the sense of not not holding in his feelings, but he keeps his secrets, too. And one of the things that I try to discuss each episode, and since we're kind of organically getting there, is, is how... Dean either says that he loves Sam without saying it or how he shows without saying it. I think in this episode, it was the conversation that they had whenever Dean told Sam that he was sorry, that uh, he said, I wish you could be Joe College. I wish you could have those things that you want. Mm -hmm. And Sam refers to himself as a freak. And Dean says, well, I'm a freak too. I think that that's that bonding moment that they absolutely needed with everything that was going on Mm -hmm. with the discussions that they had with each other during the course of this, especially with how the shapeshifter was able to just really mess with Sam's mind. Mm -hmm. And you know that the shapeshifter has access to those memories from Dean but at the same time how truthful was he being how honest was he being with everything Mm -hmm. or was he being completely honest with the rant that he went on that that I mentioned earlier about Dean's dreams of doing his own thing but how he had to be the one who was there and so I, I think it was definitely a very connecting moment for them whenever Dean told him, truthfully, I wish you could be Joe College. I wish you could have that Mm -hmm. normal life that you want. But, of course, the unspoken aspect of it is, but you can't. Right. Mm -hmm. So... Anything else that you guys... I I know that we kind of discussed how difficult it was to have notes on this because I don't think any of us really cared for this episode. It was a really difficult episode. Were there any other things that stood out to you, either better or worse... One thing that has always struck me about this episode, of course, it's one of these episodes that begins with the end, and then it flashes back to how they got to that point, but there's a point where the shape changer in Dean's shape is trying to get out of the house, the cops break in, and he stops, and he turns full face towards the cops, and that move has always seemed so deliberate. And maybe it looks that way because he was showing us that it's Dean. Right. But it always reads to me like he is wanting to get Dean in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, that he is wanting to say, look at me. Here I am. I'm Dean Winchester. Right. I'm the one who did this. And I think that they handled that really well with the fact that Dean, air quotes again that you can't see, Dean dies during the episode. The murders get blamed on Dean so that Becky's brother can go free, so that everybody can kind of get on with their life and there's some sort of closure and, and all of that. One thing that I found interesting with with that is the fact that, of course, then Becky gets her face stolen. The shapeshifter takes on her guys. And it's Dean who, again, air quotes, violated her so much. And then she has to depend on him and he has to depend on her 
to get to Sam. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting thing. And, And also, I think that that was another missed opportunity that they had because they, even though it wasn't actually Dean, there is that shared trauma there. Mm-hmm. I think that they definitely could have capitalized on that a little bit better. It's something that Supernatural does in general, is have the guys connect to somebody that they have a, a similarity right. to. And you're right. I'm slamming this writer, and I'm going to slam him again next episode, just so you know. I think he just doesn't really see women as, I don't even want to say equal. I don't think, I don't think he writes women as people. Humans, yeah. Right. So uh, I don't think we got as much of that connection because of that. I really felt like this episode was about the event and not about the characters. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like the show as a whole is so character driven. Right. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it's about is it's about these two brothers and like their relationships with people and their relationships with each other. And this whole episode was about the monster that sucked. Well, and I think, too, part of the problem is is that we have kind of like a murder mystery going on within Supernatural, mm-hmm. because this episode definitely had an incredibly different and distinct feel from the first five episodes. It was like somebody was trying to make Supernatural into something that it's not, and they lost it. It's almost like whenever shows have books that are based on the show, I know like uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, the first book that was written for it was written before the show even released, before people even knew what these characters looked like. Mm -hmm. And it's almost what that feels like with this, is that the writer didn't really know what the characters are or who they are. Mm -hmm. And so he just kind of wrote the episode with just like the series Bible in front of him, and that was Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, actually that would explain everything. One thing that I noticed... Was near the beginning of the episode, Becky mentions about how the house is in a not great, it's near downtown St. Louis. And so I I literally just had so few notes about this that wasn't mythology related that um, I decided to look that up. And I guess downtown St. Louis is a bad area. So at least I did some research. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and call it for this episode. We invite you to come back next week whenever we will be discussing episode seven, Hookman. So until then, carry on. Jerk. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts from podcast people. Meow. Meow.